The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Giants fans. You are listening to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine. Today's show will feature an interview that I did with Locked On NFL podcast host Matt Williamson. Matt is a former NFL and college scout, and you may also know his work from his days as a columnist at ESPN. So we'll play that for you in a little bit. Before that, though, I wanted to get to a couple of news topics, a little bit of chatter about Josh Rosen and some of the remarks uh, at the NFL owners meeting from GM Dave Gettleman and head coach Pat Shermer. First, let's talk about the uh, the report that we saw that came out on Wednesday regarding the fact that the Giants are reportedly one of three teams that have already talked to the Arizona Cardinals about Josh Rosen. No surprise there. We've been covering you know, the idea of Rosen to the Giants for a while. At Big Blue View, we've been telling you that the likely price tag, which that story also indicated, is a second round pick or something in that, you know, something that equates to a second round pick. So, you know, there's no surprise there that the Giants would be talking to Arizona about Josh Rosen. I wouldn't expect anything to happen on that front, really, probably until draft day. Until we know for sure, you know that the Cardinals are going to uh, to select Kyler Murray, which they are not committing to yet. I remain convinced that if the Giants like Josh Rosen, and the and the if in there is a big if because we don't know how Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer feel about Josh Rosen. We see the arm talent. You know, we see all of that. We know, you know, what his what his game is and what his ability is. What we don't know 
is how the Giants hierarchy feels about how Rosen would fit in their locker room. And, you know, that has always been the big question about Josh Rosen, his personality, coachability, all of those things. And I don't know how to answer that question. I suppose that we will find out as we get to the NFL draft. Because, you know, the Giants have obviously, you know, made it plain that they would like to have an heir apparent to Eli Manning, you know, in the building in 2019. So we'll see if they think Josh Rosen is that guy. A couple of other things that came out of the NFL owners meeting. Uh, let's talk about Pat Shermer. The the thing that uh, that is interesting for me about Pat Shermer is that we've looked over his his history of working with quarterbacks. He's worked successfully with all types of quarterbacks, mobile ones, pocket passers, first-round draft picks, undrafted free agents like Case Keenum. He's worked with a variety of quarterback types. And and for me, a question has always been, well, what, what actually is a Pat Shermer quarterback? And he's given us indications like, you know, the fact that that arm strength is not a big priority for him. He said that he likes a sense of calm. He likes accuracy. He said in the past that he does like size, although he qualified that, you know, when he was asked about Kyler Murray. So there are things that we know that he likes and that he looks for. But the interesting thing to me that Shermer said during the coaches' breakfast at the NFL owners' meetings was he asks himself a simple question when he meets these guys. And that simple question is, do I want to coach this guy? And that's going to be interesting. We've seen all of the uh, we've seen all of the workouts. We've seen all of the pro days. We've been through the combine now. We've been through the all-star games. The private meetings are coming up and all of the top quarterbacks will meet with the Giants at some point. So we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they come out of those meetings with all of these young quarterbacks in the 2019 draft class with a belief that there is one or two of these guys with Shermer believing that he would really like to coach any of these guys. So I, I found that interesting. It's a, you know, it's a question the coachability question, the coach saying, I really want to work with that guy. And, and and that has to be the case if you're going to be successful in a quarterback head coach relationship. You have to want to work together. You have to want that guy. So we'll see if the Giants come away from these meetings, you know, with the idea that there's a guy that they really, really want to have in their building. The other thing I wanted to mention was Dave Gettleman's appearance the other day on Good Morning Football, interviewed with Peter Schrager, and, you know, repeated a lot of the things that he said to reporters recently, you know, regarding the Beckham trade, regarding Jabril Peppers, regarding the offseason, his stance on Eli Manning, all of those things. The one remark that he did make to Schrager that, that I wanted to focus on really is a simple one when he said that he thought the Giants had had a good offseason. I've taken the stance that uh, you know that we have to wait and see 
how the decisions that Gettleman has made to this point, trading Odell Beckham, letting Landon Collins go, sticking with Eli Manning for the time being, trading Olivier Vernon, all of the moves that he's made. We have to wait and see how all of that plays out. I don't think it's time yet where you can say the Giants have had a good offseason or a bad offseason. I think that they've set themselves up in a situation where, with 12 draft picks, they have lots of room to maneuver. Can they get the quarterback of the future that they want? Can they get a couple of impact players to help their defense? Do they have enough at wide receiver, having added Golden Tate, you know, as a veteran replacement for Odell Beckham? Do they have enough at cornerback? We have to wait and see. We have to, you know, how all of that plays out and how Gettleman and the Giants handle the draft. Then I think we will be able to judge whether or not the Giants had a good offseason. They've put themselves in a position where they have a lot of flexibility with the 12 draft picks. We've said before they have, you know, roughly $100 million in cap space, you know, going into next offseason. So it for me, it's a wait and see. I'm not willing to say they've had a good offseason. They've had a bad offseason. They've certainly had an interesting and somewhat unpredictable offseason. Uh, I think that, you know, Gettleman is most definitely putting his stamp on the Giants, trying to build the kind of program that he and Pat Shermer want to have. And, you know, one that's about team, one that's about you know, building a roster that's as deep as possible, you know, that, that has, you know, good players up and down, you know, a, a, a roster and a locker room that, that is team over individual. And, and I, I'm in still in that wait and see mode. I think it's too early, as I said, to judge whether it's been a good or a bad off season. Let's just see what happens a month from now in the NFL draft. And then we'll all have our thoughts on that. Let's turn right now to an in, to the uh, interview that I spoke about earlier with Matt Williamson of Locked On NFL, which we'll play for you after a short break for a word from our sponsors. All right, Giants fans, I am joined now by Matt Williamson, who is host of Locked On NFL on the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt is also a former NFL scout, and you may remember him from his days working for uh, for ESPN. Matt, how you doing today? I am fantastic. How are you? Great to talk to you. I'm good. Yeah, we, uh, you and I have done this a couple times, but it's been a little while. So, uh, so I'm glad to I'm glad to catch up with you. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's 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 get right into it. the uh, The New York Giants are 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 nothing these days, if not interesting uh, how would you describe you know let's let's not get into an individual discussion of Beckham or Eli or, or whatever yet overall view of the Giants offseason are you confused do you understand it do you like it do you hate it you know where are you on what you've seen from from the Giants so far this offseason 
It's a little confusing. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And you see these off-season ranks, and they're always at the bottom. And I can see why people would be frustrated. You know, boy, you get rid of Beckham, and hey, I'm dealing with a little bit of that here in Pittsburgh, my hometown. I mean, you lose AB, you lose Bell. How can that be a good thing? However, the move that I didn't understand was not franchising Collins. But everything else... I think has created, and I've been using the word nest a lot. I, I think this is a really comfortable nest for a Haskins or an incoming quarterback to sit in that room and learn with from Eli, maybe sit like in an Alex Smith Mahomes situation. You pick up Zeitler for a guy you might have cut. I mean, a really good guard. The line now might become a strength. Barkley's the ultimate whoopee, to use my Mr. Mom reference, for a young quarterback. And I know everyone's going, well, Matt, isn't Odell great for that? On the field, yes. But do you want that huge personality, that huge contract, demanding the ball and putting that type of stress on a Haskins or a Jones or whoever, or next year's quarterback for that matter? And oh, by the way, Tate, Ingram, Shepard, or a lot of very quarterback friendly throws yeah you know it's funny because tate's a guy who's made a career out of uh, yards after catch so mm-hmm. people people get people obsess i think about the fact that that golden tate and sterling shepherd are similar players in that i think you 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 know by definition would call both of them slot guys but the way i look at it nobody basically stands still and lines up in the same place in in the NFL anymore. Oh, right. So you move guys around. Absolutely. And maybe they do add a, a, quote, perimeter threat at some point, you know, a 6'3", long, lean type of guy. But I also think that's not Eli's strength either. I mean, just ignoring of what's coming in as a potential court, young quarterback Eli is not going to drive the ball outside the hashes anymore. I mean, he's going to have to kind of think about Brady, you know, coming to the line of scrimmage, distributing to a lot of versatile slot guys. And I see no problem with that. And I also think, and I don't know either human being, but I get the impression that Tate's personality couldn't be any more different than Beckham. He's going to block. He's going to do the dirty work. He's going to grind it out. He's not going to fuss if he doesn't get balls. And he's very reliable. And that's not a knock on Beckham. I I wrote an article last year that was about week eight where I thought Beckham was the best receiver in the NFL. It was playing the best of anyone. But he's been injured two years in a row. It's a huge contract. And I I, I offer this up, too, in terms of the offseason, is let's say the, the first round ends and all of a sudden you have two really high end defensive players along with Peppers. And you have three new young starters on that defense. All of a sudden, it doesn't. Gettleman doesn't look so bad. You know what I mean? And, and the other thing I've been offering up too is, while I love Haskins, and that would be a, a target for me for the Giants, I would strongly consider doing something like, okay, here's our early second for Rosen. I got Rosen and Eli in that room, and then I just used basically the the equivalent of three first rounders to on, on on the defensive side of the ball. You know, it's funny because you have very quickly hit a lot of the points that I've also been trying to make at, at Big Blue View. And, and and I get absolutely the emotional reaction mm-hmm. of the fan base to losing Odell Beckham. 
I get the emotional reaction, and I think like you, to be honest, it upsets me a little bit more that the Giants let Landon Collins walk out the door than than trading Beckham because they got, you can argue about the value that they got for Beckham and Olivier Vernon since it's all technically considered one trade, but they came away with a good quality young safety, a good quality veteran guard. They came away with a second first-round draft choice. They got a third-round pick, which they didn't have. So they came away with value. You can argue maybe they could have gotten more. I don't know. But the thing that, that one of the things I've been saying to people is, look, it's, it's March. Free agency technically isn't over. The draft isn't here yet. We have to see how this unfolds with the Giants. They have 12 picks. They have a situation next offseason where they're probably going to have extra picks plus $100 million in cap space. So they've put themselves in the situation that a a rebuilding, reconstructing, transforming, building, whatever Dave Gettleman wants to call it, he's it, put himself in the situation he wants to be in. Now it's just up to them to execute. Right. I mean, if you hit on the picks and all of a sudden you have pass rushers and corners and, you know, a lot going on there and an active young defense looks pretty good. And again, I think some people are saying, well, why are you still hanging on to Eli, though? And to me, it's because he's going to be a great role model for the next one. And in the meantime, he's going to keep you competitive. It's not a Miami totally, you know, just trashing it situation or the Browns a couple years ago, a quote, tank. You know, that I, I think that he's not a great player anymore, but I think he can be a distributor with all those weapons and lean on Barkley heavily. Yeah, I think actually that was the thing that the Giants were hoping for initially when they drafted Saquon, is that you get Eli to the line of scrimmage, you look at, you know, he, he sits there, he looks at the defense, he identifies the mismatch, he takes two or three steps and he gets the ball to the mismatch or he hands mm-hmm. the ball to Barkley. I think that's what they were hoping for. And, you know, getting sacked close to 50 times, the offensive line for much of the year just didn't allow them to execute that. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. Although I think at this stage of his career, too, he sees ghosts a little bit, too, and is less likely to take the hits. But you design your offense accordingly. You know, I mean, Let's get the ball out quick. And I keep using Brady as an example. It doesn't mean you can't throw the ball downfield at times, but you know, win off the line of scrimmage, get it in Tater Shepard or Engram's hands right away, find the mismatches, like you said. And with four really good receiving threats, there's always going to be one. Oh, I agree with that. And, you know, it's also funny that you said seeing ghosts because when people talk about the difference between Eli Manning at 38 and 28 or maybe 38 and 32 or 33, maybe the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl, I always say that it's not really physical because we saw examples last year where maybe not every time, but he can still make the throws that are necessary. And and obviously, the older he gets, you know, there are going to be more quote-unquote ducks that come out Mm -hmm. there's going to be more throws where it's like oh if he had just a little bit more left but for me it's that pocket presence it's that comfort it's that willingness I think you're absolutely right I think 
he's been getting pounded in that pocket by bad offensive lines or thanks to bad offensive lines for the last six or seven years now. And and I think sometimes he sees the rush when it's not there. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think he's less excited about taking the hits as well, you know, and you see that with rivers. You see that with breeze. You see that with Brady and as great as this, that generation of quarterback is playing and I really think this is true with Brady, but it's absolutely true with Eli, too, and Ben and Rivers and Breeze, for that matter. What I, How I described Brady this year was his low-light tape is is bigger and, than it's ever been. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's still a really good player, but if I put together a clip of all Brady's bad throws, bad plays, it used to be minimal. You know, they'd be like, you just watch a couple throws a year. Now it's much, much bigger, and Eli's always had a, a bigger low-light reel than a Brady, and now I think his is, is even greater, too. And the same's true with Roethlisberger. Rivers and Breeze, at the end of last year, I thought they were hanging on for dear life. So that's kind of what you get with this age. Yeah, I think I would agree with that, but I, I as I said, I do think that it's, a, it's really – for me, it's less about the physical and more mm-hmm. about, I think he even said the other day, um, I saw an interview, I think this morning where he was asked at some forum or another about the biggest hit that he has ever taken as an NFL player. And he went all the way back to his rookie season when he got just obliterated. I think it was by Jerome McDougal of the Philadelphia Eagles in a 2004 game, his rookie year. And his comment was, you know, I don't think I could take that hit now. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's telling. He knows how old he is. He knows what his body can still take. So it it's just I think that's what it is for me is is it's more about it's more about comfort than it is about physical skill cuz he could never move and and he was always going to make, you know, some silly-looking mistakes. Mhm. That has always been part of his DNA, I think. Yeah, m- much more so than older brother. And he, and he never had a cannon for a right arm either. I mean, he had a good arm, but I, I'm with you. I, I do think it's more mental. It's more willingness to stand in the pocket. Um, and again, it's partially because he's been treated poorly by his teammates. Yeah, there is that. You know, And that's what I've been saying for years is, is that, that – I have always felt like, because everybody still argues about what Eli is, what he's been, does he deserve the Hall of Fame, is he great, was he great, I have always maintained that I felt like over the last few years that that the Giants as an organization let him down more than he ever let them down. I do think that's true, and I do think he's a Hall of Famer. But I don't think he would get my vote, to be honest with you. I, I mean, if his last name was Valentine or Williamson, would he be given the, the slack that he did early in his career? And maybe that's unfair. Uh, but I, when I look at him and Rivers and Ben career-wise and where they're at right now in their career, I think he's clearly third. Um, his deep passing's not wonderful. He's not as accurate as you would want. But he's still so good before the snap and I think that's the beauty of him and the wisdom he can give to Daniel Jones, Will Greer, Haskins, Tua, whoever you know I mean somebody that's going to come in that building 
Right. Now, you have said, let's turn toward the somebody who's going to come into the building, whether that's this year, whether that's next year. And and the Giants have have made it plain that they would really like for it to be this year. You've already mm-hmm. said you're a Haskins guy, but indications are, I mean, if you read the Giants, if you read what they're saying, if you read the fact that they keep going back to talking about value and talking about needing pass rushers and needing, you know, things in other places, I keep thinking they're not taking Dwayne Haskins at six. They're not trading up from six to get Dwayne Haskins. They're using 17 and 37, you know, to get a quarterback. They're either taking one at 17 or trading up or trading for Josh Rosen, doing something like that. If they if they go that route and don't take a quarterback at six, who would your guy be? Would it be Rosen? Would it be somebody in the draft class? Who would your guy be? You know that that you would like to see them get after. I'll answer that in one one second, but I wanted to ask you one thing that you touched on, if if you don't mind, is do you agree? The names aside, the timing to do it is this year. I think it is. I think it absolutely is. You know, Barkley would be a year older next year. Eli might not be there as a mentor. I think the time is ripe to do it this year. Do you agree? Oh, I absolutely think the time is ripe okay. to do it this year. I I was a guy, and, and we're going back to revisionist history, and we're opening up the Barkley versus Darnold debate, but mm-hmm. I was a guy who thought that Sam Darnold would have been the right pick a year ago simply because you then accelerate the, as I said, rebuild, build, transformation, you know, or, or whatever. And, and for me... This the is, process would have been a year earlier, right. obviously. And, and, yeah, right. and for me, when I look at it, this is why, and I will admit up front, I was not a big Josh Rosen guy in last year's draft class. All right. I had him behind, you know, I had him behind Sam Darnold. I had him behind Josh Allen, to be honest with you, just in my own, you know, my own observations. But when I look at it, and I've written this at Big Blue View, Josh Rosen, to me, makes the most sense right now if the Cardinals put him on the market and you can get him for a second-round pick because it lets the Giants use two first-round picks to build their roster, and they get their quarterback. I 100% agree. I've been on this soapbox for a very long time that, honestly, if I were 31 teams in the league— I'd probably give you my second round pick for Rosen and or clearly my third or something in that value. I mean, maybe I mean, I, I would give up quite a bit if I was Washington. I'd give you my first. You know, I mean, that I'm a big believer. The only thing I have to say about that, though, and he's my answer to your question. I mean, clearly, I'd much rather have him than Jones or any of these other guys, although I kind of like Will Greer. If you're going to use that early second round pick on a quarterback, then you don't have as much invested. If he doesn't hit, then he, you're you're in better shape. But my thing about Rosen, and again, I'm very much on that soapbox. I'm sure that trade won't happen until probably draft day, just in case Kyler Murray steps in a hole or gets hit by a bus or something. You know, I mean, you got to make sure he's, you know. But the thing about Rosen where I can understand why 31 teams wouldn't is if one year ago you didn't like him, you know, you met him, you don't like his personality, you don't want him in their building, something about his skill set you don't like. 
well, you certainly don't like him any better now, <laughs> you know, where I liked him. So I'm like, this is a buy low moment. If you didn't like him, well, you don't like him any better now. Right. And this is the one thing that I haven't been able to to pin down or put my finger on is obviously the Giants passed on Josh Rosen a year ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think at number two, had they gone quarterback, it would have been Darnold. And the thing that I haven't been able to put my finger on, you, you touched on the personality and, and, and all of those things, and, and everything I've been told is that he was a solid citizen in a bad situation in Arizona as a rookie. Um, I think he had zero chance to succeed. He had zero chance to zero. succeed. He never should have been on the field to begin with. So I'm I'm not holding anything that happened to him last year on the field against him at all. The thing I haven't been able to, to figure out is, do the Giants like this kid and would they like to have him on the roster? Pat Shermer said the other day, he asks himself about quarterbacks. He said, the question I always ask myself is, do I want to coach this kid? And, and the answer, and I don't know when it comes to Josh Rosen. I just don't. Yeah, and I don't have an answer for that either. It'd be great to know that answer, and then that becomes a lot easier. But I don't know that we'll ever find that out. But obviously, if they make a move for him, then we know the answer. But just because you like Darnold a little bit better than him, if you're Gettleman last year, doesn't mean that you wouldn't be just as you know be very happy with Rosen for a fraction of the cost. Not to mention, I mean, if if you get Rosen in your building, it costs you that early second, and you really don't think it's gonna it's not gonna work out for you. That doesn't mean you can't draft one next year, right? And and the other thing about that is, think about this: we talk about building, and we talk about the Giants putting themselves in a situation, you know, to get better going forward. Think about if you were to get Rosen. You come out of this having gotten Saquon Barkley and Rosen, the second and tenth overall picks in 2018, and you come out of this with two first-round picks in 2019. If you hit with those guys, I think you come out looking pretty good. Right, and you throw Peppers into the mix too, and Zeitler, and you know, like you're a you're in much better shape than you were a year ago. All those things considered, and of course, the elephant in the room is well, you don't have Odell. I get that, but you're building a team. You're not building a fantasy team. Right. This is the thing that I keep coming back to. And let me ask you this about Odell. You know, I he's a wonderful talent. He's the, the most talented player that I've ever covered, you know, in, in my time covering the Giants and, Including and all Mark, of that. Right? I, I would think, it's you know, close, yeah. that's, that's a tough one, but I would think to – just because he's been there for a few more years, maybe, and has a has more accomplishments, I think at this mm-hmm. point I'll say more accomplished. Okay, but but it's obvious to me. It became obvious that the Giants wanted to make this Saquon Barkley's team. When you have a guy, you know, and you've you've been around some NFL teams, you have a guy like Barkley. Or, or a guy like Beckham, you know, my question is, when you sit there as an NFL organization, do you worry about how a guy like Odell Beckham is going to handle being second fiddle? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's the huge portion of this, is, is he disruptive? I mean, I keep going back to Antonio Brown. They're not the same people, don't get me wrong, but 
T.O. or, I mean, some of these guys that are more of a distraction than they're worth. And I don't know if Odell is that or not. I mean, I really don't. But he obviously has a big personality and making a ton of money. And I'm sure that, I mean, the one thing we didn't mention, though, is they just signed him to a new deal. So any way you cut it, it's bad business, you know, the way they did it in terms of uh, the big signing bonus and all those type of things. You probably shouldn't have signed him a year ago if this was a concern. Or maybe you just missed, or maybe he's changed, or maybe you misjudged the situation and thought you were closer than you were, or that Eli had more left. But getting a guy like that out of the building could be addition by subtraction. Again, I don't know him. He may be the salt of the earth and the gem of a human being and the best teammate you've ever been, but you hear things. Yeah, you know, I think at at the very least what it does is somewhat changes the narrative. It changes the it kind of changes the air a little bit and and maybe you know maybe that's part of this. And I wonder too like the, uh, with such a great player, and obviously this is a good problem to have, and the Browns are happy to have it. But do you have to? Do I have to get him ten targets a game? You know, is he barking at Haskins, or is it slowing Haskins or Jones or Greer or Rosen's development because we have to filter everything to this guy as opposed to just doing what's best for the team, what's best for the quarterback? Well, I remember if you remember when Eli was a young player. The Giants had Jeremy Shockey. Mm-hmm. And as Eli got a little bit older, the the offense began to revolve less and less around Jeremy Shockey. And sure. I'm not and I'm not comparing Shockey to Odell. I'm just sort of putting the two situations in the same basket. But eventually it got to a point where the Giants moved on from Jeremy Shockey for the simple reason that that was better for Eli Manning because he didn't have to deal with it. Yeah, right. And I mean, I think there's some similarities there for sure. And I also think I always steal Mike Lombardi's quote that quarterbacks are like baseball stadiums. You know, that if you have a short right field wall, then you get left-handed power hitters. When I was a kid, the, the Cardinals had huge outfield on turf, so everyone on their team could run. And Eli's a distributor. I mean, we just talked about his strengths before that I would think you'd rather have four really good options as opposed to one outstanding one, you know, considering him coming to the line of scrimmage, finding the spot to go with the ball, like we talked about earlier, and maybe the next guy's similar. Who knows? You know, we don't know who that guy is. Right. You know, when we talk about that, what I think about is Evan Ingram. Because what I think about is if you look at the disparity, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's shocking, though. But it is, over the two years of Evan Ingram's career, all of Evan Ingram's production comes when Odell Beckham is hurt. Yeah, None of it comes when Odell Beckham is in the lineup. And and Evan Ingram is a tremendously talented pass-catching player tight end, big slot receiver, whatever you want to call him. And 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 that tells me that there's a problem there somewhere or was a problem. Yeah, and, and I'm a huge Engram fan. You know, this trade, he's Engram's going to be on my fantasy team next year. Let's just put it that way. You know, like this opens up the door for him very wide. He may be the best receiver on the team, you know, and well, maybe Barkley is honestly. 
But I mean, as good as as good as the in the receiving game as Engram and Barkley are for their respective positions, and I know they're not wide receivers, they could be at the top of the league in that department, which I think both their numbers and Barkley's numbers were very high to begin with, should spike dramatically in receiving, especially Engram. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Barkley caught 90-plus passes a year ago, and I think the disparity was 60 of those came in the first eight games and 32, 33 of those came in the last eight games. And I thought he was better used in the last eight games when they weren't just dumping checkdowns to him all the time. Yeah, I do too. That's a good point. Um, the last note on, on Beckham, though, too, is obviously the Browns don't have this concern, but he's had two injuries over the last couple of years. And if your team doctors are saying uh, he may fight things, you know, I mean, that's the, the, the with being with a team, those things are much more relevant than most fans realize. I mean, with your when you're in the building like I was with three different organizations, you know, at the college and pro level, you realize you sit there with the trainer and some trainers will tell you. I'm keeping this guy the, together the best I can, but it's duct tape and band-aid. I mean, like, and I'm not saying that is Odell, but he has had injuries. Yeah, he has, and 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 you wonder about that. But uh, let's it's not let, like it's a chronic knee or Gronk's back or something like that. No, la- last year was la- last year was a weird one, and, and I thought you know one of the rumblings that you heard last year wasn't necessarily that he got hurt, but I, there were some rumblings that I, I thought it was interesting that he never practiced really. He didn't play in any of the last four games, and yet the Giants continued to leave him on the active roster. There were some rumblings that there were people inside the organization who thought that that he should have been on the field, that he could have played, and that he just that he didn't want to, or that you know that he was quote unquote protecting himself. And and I don't know that for a fact, but I wonder if that all played into this as well. Maybe. And who's to say? I mean, if they were in the thick of the playoff hunt, maybe he would have played and been great. I, I don't know. Maybe it was a group decision. Maybe it was his decision. I don't know, but. It is noteworthy. I mean, it's something certainly to consider. I mean, again, he's a big personality. He's somebody you have to manage. Matt, last question for you before I let you go here. A lot of gnashing of teeth among Giants fans about Gettleman's plan, whether it's a build, whether it's a rebuild, you know, whatever it is. And we've talked a little bit about the situation that the Giants have put themselves in with the draft picks and the, 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 uh, salary cap space that they'll have a year from now. If you look at the Giants and you're a Giants fan right now and you look at at Dave Gettleman, are you optimistic or pessimistic regarding his long-term ability to get this right, to get the Giants back to a situation where they're contending for playoff spots, you know, more often than they're not? I'm certainly more optimistic than most of Twitter is or most of the fan base probably is. And you'd have a better pulse of that than I would. But my concern is and we and we see out some this saw it some this year, too, is, you know, you're sacrificing 
pass rushers and wide receivers for guards and strong safeties. And you drafted a running back with a second pick overall yet last year that, and where I'm going with this is not that those were in bad moves in a nutshell. And I praised the Zeitler move earlier in the show, but I do hope that he's at least a more aware than you would think. Then that's not the right way to put it, that he's highly aware of what the analytics of today's NFL tell you that the passing game is the most important thing, you know, like he did trade snacks, Harrison, who's just a run stuffer. So maybe there are indications of it, but I hope he's just not thinking it's 1985. You know what I mean? And I didn't phrase it exactly how I wanted, but I think you get my drift. No, I do because, you know, Gettleman is a 68 year old guy. He is Mm -hmm. more traditional. He does, you know, publicly he sort of, he, he sort of poo-poo's analytics a little bit. You know, who knows, you know, behind the scenes how he, you know, whether he really, you know, applies those things or not. I think that's a fear that, that, that the fan base has as well, is that, mm-hmm. that, that maybe he's, he's stuck in an approach that, that doesn't work. But for me, what this comes down to is do they get the quarterback of the future right or don't they? Because I, I think if they do, everything else falls into place. I think if they don't, then it doesn't matter what else they do. I can't argue with that one bit. And and again, the, th- the thing I keep coming back to, and I've said it on Locked on NFL a ton, is I do think Edelman has created a very comfortable nest for whomever that young guy is to land in right now. You know, there's a lot around him on that side of the ball. Um, getting Odell out of the locker room and Eli still being there, the line, the, the variety of receivers. So I do give Gettleman credit for that, that I, if I was a Haskins or whomever, Jones, whoever, I would be very comfortable landing in New York right now. All right, Matt, I uh, really do appreciate your spending a, a half hour or so with me. And uh, why don't you, you know, before you go, just uh, let, let folks know where they can find your work on Twitter or on Locked On NFL, all that good stuff. Yeah, check out the podcast, Locked On NFL. And my Twitter handle is at WilliamsonNFL. Uh, I'd, I'd appreciate a follow. Sure, I'm very active on there as well. All right, Matt, thank you very much. And we'll talk to you again soon. Excellent. Thanks so much. All right, Giants fans, our thanks again to Matt Williamson. That is our show for today. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Uh, If you have questions for me, uh, please send them to bigblueview at gmail.com or send them to the uh, Big Blue View Twitter account, using the hashtag at BBV mailbag. And hopefully I'll be able to get to the best ones during our weekly mailbag that we do on Saturdays. All right, Giants fans, thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you soon.